Hello, everyone. Welcome to China Money Podcast. I'm Violet Tang, sitting in for Nina Xiang. Our guest today is Spencer Deng, the CEO of Chinese logistics robotic solution developer Dorabot. Founded in 2014, Shenzhen-based Dorabot develops autonomous logistic robotic mechanisms and solutions to facilitate parcel loading and sorting in the logistic and e-commerce industry. Its artificial intelligence-powered solutions include computer vision methods, collision avoidance strategies, and robot communication. The company said it will continue to explore the development and application of AI robots working in the airport and seaport logistics. The startup has around 70 employees from over 10 different countries to work at their headquarters in Shenzhen, and mainly targets markets at United States, China, Southeast Asia, and Europe. Rainfall Capital has led tens of millions of dollars in Series A plus round of financing to Dorabot in February this year. The recent round follows an annual round investment. By Innovation Ventures and an A round by A Plus Fund and GP Capital in 2015, Spencer Deng sits with Nina Xiang six months. During an interview in Shenzhen, here is the interview. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, Spencer. Welcome to China Money Podcast. Tell us a little bit about Dora Robot and what do you do? Thank you for your invitation for the talk. Basically, I'm the CEO of Dorabot.、Uh, we are focusing on building AI robotics, applying to logistics first. Maybe in the future, we want to leverage the same kind of、uh, computer vision as well as manipulation technology into manufacturing as well as retail. So you have been in, in this industry for some time. Let's talk about the Chinese industrial robotics sector. What's your observation and also assessment of how this industry has grown in the past、uh, couple years? So the robotic industry or the whole industry automations in China is actually growing pretty fast for the past I would say,、uh, especially the past three years. Like if you look at the numbers of the sales of robotic arms by Yaskawa or Fanuc or ABB or Kuka, just in the Chinese market, they basically doubling themselves every year. But still, a lot of them is very much based in hardware. Instead of、uh, software, which is another focus for the American firms globally, what we call is AI or the robotic software or the what they call even bigger is the brain for robotics. So this is almost at the beginning of the era that people are trying to build up robotic system as well as some AI technology upon the hardware platform that is based on the arms as well as some of the sensors that we can acquire from the market at a much cheaper price. So the industry has been growing very rapidly, but、um, what about the players in the industry?、Um, we know that in the industrial robotics sector,、uh, foreign brands or foreign players have a dominant position in the marketplace. And but we are seeing that there is a new group of Chinese local robotics company emerging in the past few years. How do you see these dynamics between local new startups in the space and also how they're trying? To carve a niche in the market in a place that's already have been dominated by foreign players. If we are talking about the robotic arm industry, 
is still pretty much dominated by those big fours. I mean, not just in China, it's a global perspective. But definitely there were a lot of uh, Chinese firms trying to catch up by importing some of the key components and invent some of the components which might not be that difficult, and then assemble it into the robotic arm at a cheaper price. And then they sell it to some of the applications doesn't need the accuracy that like Japanese or German people can produce. It's growing up, but still a lot of the robotic arm is only used in automotive industry. You're talking about automotive as well as the 3C assembling. It takes a lot of what we call Six Sigma uh, accuracy requirements, which still you would need those kind of arms from uh, the big force uh, like in Japan as well as Germany. So we are catching up, but there was still a huge base for the Chinese firm to catch up. But in another way, because there was another aspect of robotics, the software part, there was a saying that if we cannot make the best uh, like hardware, we still can use the software to subsidize the part that the hardware can be lack of. Very funny example is that human structure or human's hand is actually not that accurate when you're moving. But still, we can do the grass plan of, for example, this bottle easily, which would be a difficult task for a robotic arm as already already have the six sigma accuracy, but still they cannot grasp it. So if I have a very powerful, I would say, software or even AI uh, to help those kind of hardware, which is not that accurate, to learn how to do grass plan as well as all the physical manipulations, that might be a way to utilize all the hardware we produce in China. Uh, that kind of AI technology is available uh, that would change the whole perspective of the industry. And this focus on software, is that something that Dora Robot, Robot is uh, focused on? Yeah, so our main focus is to build the system beyond the hardware that we can purchase off the shelf in the markets. Like we purchase like Yaskava arms, Pandos or ABB or Kuka arm, and some of the sensors we just purchase it by you know from SICK, Cognos uh, or like Skians. And then we, some of the grippers will have to build it because it's not off the shelf yet. Based on all this structure, we build upon the Linux system with an API to all this hardware to make sure we can control it. It's more like Microsoft to Lenovo. So Lenovo, they purchased the screen as well as the keyboards, the, the CPU, everything to combine the computer. But still, you need Microsoft to build the Windows. And then still, you need some software company to build the application in the Windows. So, so we are building the Windows as well as we are building the applications that especially in logistic industry. Uh, the reason why this industry is growing so quick, one of the huge reasons because after 2010, the technology of deep learning suddenly pops up. There was a breakthrough about it. So everything you're seeing right now, that computer visions, especially like the facial recognitions, uh, even to some uh, machine learning of all the big data, is pumping up. So because of this technology, even robotics, there is a lot of applications is available right now because we, if we capture enough data from, from the industry, logistics or manufacturing, it might be able to change the robot to do different kind of jobs. Uh, the, other, the other thing is that because it, I think it's more uh, demand-driven. It's the first time maybe for the Chinese markets that less young people wanted to work in the like uh, warehouse logistics, so it's manufacturing. But still, your, your consumption is growing, right? So the demand is that you have to sustain this kind of customer experience. You've got to make something happen. 
uh, even though when the cost is growing, a lot of technology is available. Right? The upgrades of, uh, of the con consumer markets is actually a good sign for a new technology use in the local markets. And also, definitely, a lot of people study in the US or Australia or in UK, they acquire a similar um, technology or educational background, and then they come back, they got the basic foundation to do research about all these kind of technologies and trying to build up new stuff based on the foundation they, they learn from the other foreign schools. Dora Robot chose a sector that's uh, perhaps uh, a very smart decision to focus on logistics robots. And we know e-commerce has been growing so rapidly in China and they're is roughly around 40 billion packages a year being delivered. So it's a huge market. What is your hope for Dora Robot in terms of what kind of market share you wish to capture and what kind of uh, growth prospects you hope to achieve? I won't say that we are very small and then we target these markets like you know back in three years before. Looking back, it's always you know easy to connect the dots, but looking forward, it's not like that. So. Standing at the beginning of 2015, there was no way that we can see this market is going to pump up, but there's no way that we can see we can be uh, achieving uh, what we are having right now, even though it's just the beginning of the, it's just the day one for the startups. But for example, for me, the reason I'm very keen in logistic automation or logistic robot is because when I was really young, my father put me into an internship in EMS. And I feel like a lot of this kind of job is actually can be done by easily by a machine. Right? Rather than we put a lot of people onto it doing repetitive job, which is, might not be fun right, for a lot of people if they have the other choice. Uh, so beginning from that, I always have idea to automate the whole process of logistics from the first mile, uh, every process in the middle in the warehouse, and also the final miles. In terms of the market perspective right now, last year we hit 40 billion packages B2C as well as C2C in China. This year, like last week, the, the Double Eleven or the Shopping Festival by Alibaba, basically one day the volume is almost like 1.2 billion you know, packages flowing into the market, which is too, too much. Uh, if it is done by labor, right? Uh, and especially a lot of people doesn't want to do it anymore. So for us, uh, we have the kind of have the responsibility to uh, s sustain the operation in a more efficient way and at the same time to lower the cost for some of the logistic firms because uh, the, the labor cost is actually rising rapidly in the international markets. We are trying to work with the uh, huge giants uh, logistic firms to try to optimize the whole process with robotics as well as IoT and some of the cloud AI optimizations when we get uh, quite more of data. In China, there might be opportunities to work with the giants like both logistics firms as well as e-commerce players to optimize the whole process by starting with robotics picking, uh, sorting, unloading, loading. We are seeing ourselves still right now as a front runner in the market. It's just the beginning to, to, to talk about maybe market share or even too early to talk about market share because the market is growing itself. At the same time, there are not so many players uh, actually launching the real projects into the uh, logistics scenario, scenario yet. Uh, but I would say, uh, hopefully, and as 
as we are working really hard right now with a lot of smart people here from different countries, uh, we would like to still be the front runner uh, in, in the markets. Uh, we would also like to invite a lot more robotics companies into this industry to build this industry greater or bigger. Uh, but at the same time, within technology, there is no boundary about it. It's not about uh, just the US or China or which country. We would like this kind of benefits to, to be globally applied to different logistic firms. You have a number of products under stress testing right now. Yes. Have you done uh, any experiments or estimates about how much it's going to save in terms of cost for logistic companies or e-commerce companies like Alibaba? And also uh, in terms of uh, efficiency improvement, what kind of e efficiency improvement you can achieve? So this is actually a very complicated mathematics question. From my perspective, uh, a lot of logistic process is actually mathematics. You can basically draw different kind of equation and then you know exactly how the cost it would be. So if we are talking about the module, like sorting, for example, if you uh, compare it with the labor efficiency, uh, in China, I would say people are very hardworking. So it's diff very difficult for robots, um, you know, by speed-wise to build, you know, human being. There's no way Chinese people are too hardworking. But still, uh, I would say the efficiency we, we can reach right now with robotic arms in sorting is already reached the speed that Chinese very hardworking people can do, uh, ranging from 700, 700 PPH, PPH means pieces per hour, all the way up to some of the devices can reach actually 1,200 pieces per hour. Not to mention they don't need to go to toilets, they don't need to buy insurance, they, don't, they can actually work 24 hours if you know, the volume is available. But if you're talking about these data, apply it to the very developing countries like the US or Canada or Europe, this is going to be really fantastic for those logistic firms because in those countries, labor cost is way higher than, than we can get here in China, maybe like five times, some of them even 10 times. At the same time, they have very limited work hours. At the same time, there was a lot of different kind of pension fund, insurance, all, all of that, which might, might not be affordable anymore for those firms. And at the same time, in the US, like some of the cases we are seeing, actually, because the warehouse is too far away from the city or from the living area, people are not willing to work in it and, anymore. It's very difficult for them to hire people from different places and to sustain them in the position because the turnover is too big. Uh, so to, to maintain the very high quality of, of the package sorting as well as loading and unloading, they have to use different kind of automation, traditional technology before, but that would take a long time for planning as well as the, the infrastructure is too big. The maintenance fees is way higher than robotics because robotics actually with AI is more flexible than, than the traditional uh, automations that they implement before. So but by considering all of this, not even considering the optimization of the package flow that we can do it on, on in, the, in the cloud, just module to module, I would say the efficiency is at least three times higher than they can do right now. Considering like, for example, if they're doing 400 pieces per hour, averaging, uh, hopefully, uh, which I don't think so, the robot can consistently reach more than a thousand or even way more and at the same time, because you're using robot, it's easier to do IoT. All the data is flowing into the cloud naturally 
which if we are human being, our mind is not linked with the cloud for sure. So we have to use a lot of device to do that, which is an additional cost for sure. In this way, database would be way more completed uh, with all those package level data real time to optimize the flow, which at the same time cut a lot of process that was not necessary uh, if it is done by human being, right? For example, if it is done by human being or for this process, you have to use the scanner, hold the scanner, scan it, and then you place the scanner and then you put the package you know, from point A to point B. If it is ro robot, it's not necessary to do it that way. The process is naturally flowing, the data is naturally going into the cloud, and then if you can do a very efficient real-time calculation, you actually control the whole package flow in the whole process. Everything becomes visualized, backdoor. Everything is under control. You, in a very ultimate goal, you can already calculate how a package can flow in the next two days or in the next 12 hours when they receive the package at the very big, uh, at the very, very beginning. Because you already know like how the robot will operate the, the package in a plan ahead of the time. That sounds like a very comprehensive and holistic solution. So that requires perhaps the, the solution provider not having only the robotics expertise, but also cloud and algorithms and a lot more capabilities. Are you planning to be the one providing all this you know, holistic services? Well, this is actually a very accurate, uh, I would say, comments, a uh, very small one. Yeah, because when we are trying to sell the solution to the customers, we figure out that people, uh, especially the giants, Fortune 500 company, they would not buy only one module. There was no way if, like, for example, take, again, the computer, for example. If they buy a computer, they would not just buy a screen and then buy another keyboard and then buy another CPU from different kind of players and then they install it themselves they always wanted the very complete solution. And the very complete solution is just not that robotic module. It would be bigger. It would be more like end-to-end, -end, right? They can pay for it still. Because if they do it internally, the corporate process is actually a huge cost for them to understand how they do it, how to implement it, and the responsibility will be too big for the corporates you know, to run it. If there is one, one company can do it themselves, like hol holistically, like for example, we can do unloading internal the the warehouse. We can do the inner transportation of different kind of package with our mobile platform. We can do sorting with our robots, uh, controlling also by the flows of the of the what we call the multi-agent collaboration system. And after we sort all the packages, we load it directly into the trailer or the container with Sam the robots. The solution is already pretty complete if you're talking about the operation level to the customer in the warehouse or in the sorting center. And still, it's just the beginning because robotic is just an I IoT, right? You can take it at IoT and how to capture all the data for the management backdoor to understand how to optimize the process, how to manage it, how to make sure every responsibility is allocated you know, in a correct way. And at the same time, because of AI, when you have data, AI is the best place to go for, for sure. So we capture all this package level data in a very short time, and then you have right now a lot of cloud service provider 
give you a lot of computation power to do a lot of, uh, I would say, optimization. We have algorithm group actually can optimize all these kind of data in any level. Like for example, we are helping like a furniture player uh, to optimize the pallets in a container before they're shipping. Right now, if you're asking human to optimize it by uh, you know, sequencing or, 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 or whatever, how to put the palleting in the, in the container, it's actually very difficult until you've been chained for a long time. And people would get old, people would leave their job. Uh, the performance will be inconsistent. If you don't have a very consistent algorithm for the people to follow, but if you're using AI, which just pop up, result for the people the, who is driving the forklifts and then they execute the plan directly according to what AI tell them. The result is actually very much matching the very skillful labor it can do in the warehouse. And in this way, if we can launch this system in the whole supply chain, because they're the biggest furniture player in the world, it can help optimize the supply chain really, really good. Because like right now I can tell you, this is a standard that you should follow. If you don't follow, you're not going to reach this kind of percentage utilization. So why don't you follow it, right? Or if you can be smarter, of course you can beat the machine. But if not, the, because the machine is learning every day, it, it can only be smarter rather than you know, the other way. So they don't need to think about it anymore, uh, which is not actually a fun thing to think about. They just need to execute it in a really quick way. And the performance internally in the, I would say, supply chain will be very consistent. And they can even control the cost uh, one year ahead of the time that uh, they're executing the next year. But if you think from your customer's perspective, for example, let's take uh, Alibaba, as an example, if you think about from Alibaba's perspective, if they outsource the very core functions of their logistics, not only you know robotics, but also the whole system of managing their uh, product or parcel flow and the cloud system, it's also a very risky move for them because it, that's core function that they must be, uh, they must have their own control on this very core function. You know what I mean? So. So therefore, Yunfeng Capital, which is backed by Alibaba's Jack Ma, is an investor in your company. Does that mean, you know, a company uh, like Dora Robot, perhaps the most reasonable or easier way forward is to perhaps become part of a bigger entity? Like, because this is, these are core functions for a conglomerate for them to manage their logistic and warehouse operations rather than outsourcing to an independent company uh, who they must have a high degree of trust. Otherwise, from Alibaba's perspective, I would feel very uneasy if I'm you know, letting a company doing all these core functions without much control on this company. Well, I believe that none of the company can do everything, right? Until, I mean, unless they're one, like, kind of like a country. So no matter how big is a company, they still need to work with the other company. Like Alibaba have to work with a lot of vendors from different perspectives, even Amazon or Google or uh, how, no matter how big they are. Amazon, Amazon also bought uh, Kiva, Kiva systems, right? So. Yeah, so Kiva is a mobility platform, right? And still, they, are, they don't have the picking part which is the, what we call the manipulation part, leveraging the computation machine. So you know we have the background that uh, two champions out of the three competitions is actually in our team. So I think in different area, there is always the middle grounds that 
the big guys as well as the startups can work together. For right now, we don't have any strategy, M&A or something, or get bought up. We would like to work on the things that we, we would like to work on. I think YF Capitals, they, when they invest, it's very much financial driven. Uh, we are a very good team. Uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of original um, tech that we actually created ourselves, and we are doing pretty good with some big guys in the international markets. Uh, we are also, of course, there was strategic partnerships between us and the other portfolio they invested, which I guess you mean is Liao or some of the companies like Songida, which is a very, I would say, neutral business relationship that we can leverage for, for sure. But for right now, uh, we don't have any uh, buyers on any of the, I would say, customers because they're all very big customers uh, in a way. <laughs> and I don't know there was any difference between, between them. As long as I am sure we can provide a good value uh, in the system, uh, we are happy. And if they're happy, we are happy for, for sure. We would like to work with all of them. Uh, if that is possible. Of course, you want to develop independently, right? But do you think in the current environment, um, how easy or how difficult it is to try to be an independent logistics, robotics service provider? Well, uh, I won't say I have met any difficulty or obstacles by when we're facing the giants company because we're actually pretty good at uh, working with the giants, especially in the international markets. The, one of the things I want to do is that e- even though we are based in Shenzhen, we would like to build a very international company. Uh, right now, you already see that we have people from 10 plus countries. Our companies, the main working language is one of them is actually English. Right? So I don't see any competition between us and the giants right now. I think the better strategy for the big guys is to invest into companies like us, as well as build up strategy partnerships that can leverage the creativity or learn hierarchy environment that we are having right now here, right? It's good to have like a Silicon Valley company, but at the speed of Shenzhen to develop a very cutting edge technology that they have the application scenario, we can do our piloting and then in the future we might be launching massively in their environments which can can deliver the value to them, which is still good, I I guess. For right now, uh, in the future, I don't know. I'm not sure whether they would be entering this uh, market in a very aggressive way, uh, which it might be possible, but still, it's it's a very big market. Uh, especially when you look at it globally. That's why we, we try to hit the global market at the very beginning uh, instead of say, okay, when we get big, we go international. We don't do that that way. We already so international right now by the team you know, structure here as well as the customer base that we are having right now. So if they started to do that, I, I think there is still a huge space that we can hit on. Like, even so, like for example, logistics, even though we say it's so monopoly, there were only like a few players, but still we can count more than 10 like in the world. And I say there would be more than 10 robotic companies existing in the, in, in the world, which is good enough for me. So let's go back to the product aspect. What is the ratio of automation for Chinese uh, parcel delivery sector? And how do you see this ratio of automation change or increase in the future? So uh, the automation rates in the partial industry in China is actually very low. I would say it's lower than 4%. Uh, 
so every demo we are seeing on TV, unfortunately, is more like a demo case that people are trying to promote. But it definitely is the beginning of the whole chain that everybody trying to promote it as well as to implement it uh, right now. People is just thinking or considering whether they should install automation or robotics, which is having more AI element in it, uh, more what we call intelligence logistics. So it's not an easy choice because automation is very stable. At the same time, it actually costs a lot of money, build up huge infrastructure. But robotics is just the beginning. Not stable yet. You see some successful case. But it's very attractive to implement it like it, one by one in a distributed system, a much better optimized, I would say, mathematic model uh, rather than the traditional one. The thing is that there is no history about automation or digitalized or as well as what we call datalized in the logistic industry yet for the past 30 years because people are being, have been building up their market shares crazily instead of thinking about innovation things like, like that. They don't have time for it for, until right now, right? They don't have the experience or mature process how to approach that. So, but still, a lot of those kind of big boss, they're, they're thinking about that op in a very open-minded way. So hopefully, they would like to accept the very advanced one, which like the American, they, they already have a very mature process how to digitize the things, as well as to make a very holistic IT system and then build a very, they, because the Americans, they have like 70% or even more uh, automation uh, percentage uh, in the in the logistic parts. Right? For them right now, it's just an upgrade from 3.0 all the way to 4.5 or even 5.0. But for China, uh, in the partial industry, maybe it's from zero all the way up to 4.5 or you know, depends on how aggressive they can be. It might be a huge change when they decide to do it or decide not to do that uh, in the near future. Uh, so you're actually making the distinction between automation and robotics. But if we just combine them to, like, can we call them automation plus robotics? And uh, what's the ratio of the logistics industry uh, that's going to become automated or uh, intelligent, you know, in the next five or ten years, a long-term projection? I think it's actually a very, it's going to be a very aggressive change because so the difference between automations and robotics or AI is that automation, it doesn't have a thinking in it, right? It doesn't have a very easy IoT system that going into the cloud. It doesn't execute exactly what the cloud tells them to, to do. But robotics, of course, they're very smart. It's one by one. It's, you know, driven by learning of all the data. I don't see any conflicts between automations or robotics. That might be a combination because automation is more like a lower level uh, intelligence that they put on it before. Robotics is more intelligence automations that we are trying to apply. They're actually, you know, brothers and, and, and sisters. Uh, the difference between you know the China markets and, and the U.S. market, though I say okay, it's only four percent in in China. In, in U.S., it's like more than seventy percent. It's because U.S. has been developing for one hundred years about this kind of technology, right? And they've been applying it in in a very uh, slow but mature way. That the, they have a very stable model how to implement all these things, process step by step. Instead, we are jumping all around right? in, in, the, in the Chinese economies. We've been going crazily for the past 30, 40 years. We don't have time to even think about all this strategy, 
uh, decision yet, uh, whether automation or robotics. But it's for the whole world globally, no matter China or, or, or the US or Europe, robotics is going to be one of the key players uh, in the whole industries. But China might consider to combine automations and robotics in the center because it will be a more, uh, it will be a safer decision for them to, to do it this way. At the same time, uh, in the US, because they already know so much about automation and what is the limitation about it, they already have the infrastructure. They don't need to get rid of it. So for the legacy building, we just put our robotics technology with the automation technology. But for the green field, which is like an empty ground, new solution, they would prefer it to be 100% robotics and AI rather than the automation. Because automation, they, they know too much about it, about the space, about the infrastructure planning, about auto maintenance at the same time because after some 20, 30 years on the balance sheets, it's already depreciated to zero, which gives the CFO a very great flexibility to make some new decisions to build up the new technology instead of the old ones that they see is uh, very difficult to maintain anymore. And because automation is actually not 100% automated, right? You still have a lot of people working with the machine, which is not good enough case in, in a lot of scenarios, especially the developing countries, they don't have enough workforce in, in this area. So they have to be more automated, let's put it that way. So robotic is taking those kind of positions to, to help them to upgrade the whole system. But if you can just like have a very long-term projection for the Chinese logistics sector, how many years will it take for China to have 70% either it's low-level intelligence or high-level, but just combine automation and robotics together. Like, how long would that take China to get to 70%? I guess it would be five to seven years. It's actually everything in China is very fast, no matter what. This either some of the giant logistic players that would apply this kind of new technology into their new hubs, as well as the you know legacy buildings they have to upgrade it or some technology company would become another kind of new 100% automated logistic firms. That's even possible because when you have new technologies from end to end, the way to calculate the margin as well as the business model would be very different. You will see maybe if an autonomous car is, is working, taxi is another business, for example. Right? So I won't deny that there might be possibility that uh, some of the tech firms that develop in this kind of robotic technologies would become uh, logistic firms that is autonomously operated uh, with only a thousand people, but the volume still, I would say, like two billion or even four billion packages per year. We see it as possible. And it's actually one of the strategies that Cai Liao is working on, trying to make the whole network uh, really efficient, but with only 5,000 people within the, the, the firms. That is a limit that Jack Ma set for the company uh, that have to basically improve a lot of robotics or AI or automation in the network so that it can happen in that way, not with 400,000 or even a million delivery people in the network. That's like too much, yeah. Now, lastly, we have seen in the Chinese AI space, China has been very aggressive in applying different uh, AI technology in various of sectors like public security, computer vision, healthcare, and education, and many other sectors. So China is 
commonly considered much more advanced compared to other countries in terms of AI technology application or commercialization. But if we look at industrial robotics sector, China is still very much lagged behind compared to the more advanced countries. What do you think China can do to uh, catch up or shorten the kind of lag or distance between the, the leaders in the industry, in industrial robotics? Well, I would say it's a very difficult question to, to answer from my perspective because I'm not the governor or the policymaker. But China has been very active in applying different kind of technology into the real life so that you know, Chinese people has been really great into you know, adapting to different kind of technology. For example, like payment technology, you know, three years before we, we still use a lot of cash, but right now who is using cash anymore? And even smartphones, a lot of smart apps. In China, there was a very mature way to promote it and then everybody is using it after one month or two months. Douyin, right? How many years it existed, right? One or something? Yeah, so Chinese people, as well as the China market, is very well adapted to new applications for sure. But if we're talking about industrial areas as well as the original technology, it actually would take a lot of time because R&D is not a certain thing that we say, okay, if we are very smart, if we have a lot of money, we actually can suddenly time, you know, if American can do it 10 years, we put 10 times the money, we can do it in one year. R&D tends to deny that. So there were a lot of questions that is actually R&D questions in industrial areas. That's money cannot close the gap or, you know, if you're active, you still cannot close the gap. It takes a lot of down-to-earth researching as well as even low profile. Nobody knows about this guy. Suddenly after 10 years, you know, something big is popping out to American stories. I think this kind of R&D process or product development process in the deep tech always takes the same time as the, how the American can do or how the European people can do. At the same time, when, when we are trying to apply what we can achieve in like WeChat or some of the applications that were active in the markets into R&D might not be a very good strategy because it's not like you're happy and then you can you can do the R&D much quicker. It's, it doesn't look like that. It's more like a physical rules that you have to apply that you have to be really down to earth, really sincere about the question whether you can do it or whether you cannot do it. You have to try to take a lot of mistake actually to get rid of the mistake, and then finally you get the right one. And that's the process that we have to learn. And we have to get the message into the markets that uh, this is the right way to de develop deep tech, not only in industrial area, but or like IC or all of that area also, or even AI. So the, the problem about what we are having right now is that everything that we are developing in a very good way that we are seeing payment technology, cloud technology, all the applications, e-commerce, is based on the structure that is actually originally built up in the on the technology America is developing. Right? If you look at the source of all these technologies, learn of them is from China. Right? So how are we going to make sure that we have the whole holistic supply chains that can sustain the whole developing of every element in the ecosystem. We don't have the ecosystem yet. And the original point of the ecosystem, it actually takes a lot of time, a lot of patience. So it's pretty hopeless, right? No, no, I think there is a lot of hope. Right? It's just that we have to do it down to earth. It takes time. It's not like, okay, I'm happy. I can do it in two years. Uh, no matter I'm happy or I'm not happy, it's a physical law that 
you know, if you do it this way, you can achieve it almost like in 10 years. But, but China doesn't have this kind of patience because everything happens quickly. Return comes quickly. Uh, money comes quickly. Company grow fast very quickly. So that's why the environment doesn't allow patient growth, doesn't allow patient research. So, so if you look at the whole societal atmosphere or sentiment or mentality, that's the part you know Chinese people are not very good at. I won't say Chinese people not very good. I'm Chinese people. I still have the patience to develop the firms. And we have a lot of Chinese people in, in the firms that have a lot of patience as well as faith into developing a new technology and solid technology. So it really depends on people's faith and the vision to look at these things in the long term. Uh, because the capital is driving everything to go really fast in, in, you know, in the environment, not just in China, even in the United States, right? Like, even in Silicon Valley, I won't say it's a Chinese problem. In the Silicon Valley, which company is the, you know, what we say famous or do really well for the past five years? Learn. Well, we see a lot of actually Chinese company is popping up I mean, in, in the application level, but we won't say there was any American company in the Silicon Valley is actually popping up as a startup that's going into something. Right? We, had, we have seen some of the companies that are actually doing a lot of fake things still, Americans, right? Like DNA testing, all those product testing, and even there was no product from Magic Leap, right? So this problem is global. It's not just China. It's everywhere. Right? So it's just out of the big pool. You always have some visionary leaders trying to do some things and it takes some time. If it has the patience not to finance crazily, they stay low profile, have a lot of solid people, smart people working on the real stuff, step by step. Eventually it will come up. I think there are a lot more Chinese company is doing it in this way in, in this age because many of the people were used to, you know, like a couple of years before, 10 years before, a lot of people when they study in the US or in Australia, in the Western countries, they don't come back anymore at, at all, right? But right now, we have so many people when they study after they graduate, they actually are very willing to come back to China. Well, even though we say, okay, the economic environment is not good, but I won't say it's actually better in the other countries. Well, okay, great. Thank you so much, Spencer, for your time.